Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. Joining me, as always, is my partners, Bebo and Ralph. This week, we have a topic that everybody might be pretty familiar with. However, I don't think anybody was ready for how deep this went. We're covering the story about Jeffrey Epstein. This got a lot more intricate as we started to get into it. And I'm also going to let everyone know that some of the information coming out on this <clears throat> is pretty sensitive information. So this is kind of the not safe for work disclaimer on this one. There's a, it's, it's a very heavily sexually orientated topic, just so our listeners know that from the beginning. So what we'll do is we'll start off with what happened. So Jeffrey Epstein is American that was tried once and convicted of a couple of sexual crimes. And then later on down the road was arrested again and it looked like it was going to be some type of human trafficking charges. But things went a little bit differently. And what most people know is, is that a, upon awaiting trial in jail, the official story is that he killed himself. And there's a little bit of controversy surrounding that. His main squeeze, I guess you could say at the time, was a woman named Ghislaine Maxwell. <clears throat> and from what we can gather from her was... They were never really a, a, a couple. Now, she's also been uh, arrested, and she's actually, she was charged with, I believe, human trafficking, and she is in jail serving a sentence, and they're constantly appealing that. The thing is, it didn't actually start with them. So what it looked like to, to the public in the mainstream news was that Ghislaine Maxwell was actually luring young women into Jeffrey Epstein, and he was sexually abusing them. But then things started to get a little crazy because this person, Jeffrey Epstein, had properties that were personal properties. He had a lot of money, and they were all over the place, and it started to look like these people were getting human trafficked to these particular lo like remote locations for that particular purpose. Then as the case went on and things started to uh, come to light, there was... Some things like his address book, and he had a personal plane that kept flight logs. And all of a sudden, we saw tons and tons of very important people, politicians, scientists, people of all kinds of businesses all around the world that had been on this guy's plane or this guy's particular island in the Caribbean or some of his uh, actual locations somewhere else in the mainland of the United States. So it started to get pretty deep, and even the records of the court case, some of those are still sealed. And as we started to look into this, we realized there was more to it. There was, before all of that, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, whose name that we know is Robert Maxwell, but wasn't originally, was a very controversial character that had a lot of different ties to a lot of different countries, and pulled a lot of different bad business deals that got him put on the radar. The thing is, it looks like he was involved in a lot worse stuff than just shady business dealings. So we're going to go ahead and go through a few of these things. Bevo, you want to tell us some of the stuff that you found when you were looking in there? Yeah, good morning, <clears throat> you one. Um, I, I think it's uh, a very, very wide web of things. And it's not just, as you've alluded to, it, most people think it's just about uh, the, the sex with prominent people on um, his island. But, you know, we have 
uh, all the things like you know he was supposedly a hedge fund uh, hedge fund manager um, trading FXs I believe uh, currency exchange um, so he was providing money and encouragement and support to the scientific community um, he was also believed that he was you know giving tax advice to rich people um, and he was obviously doing the young adult females out on the island thing and even worse than that it gets that he was doing stuff with children um, you know there were reports of of uh, as young as 12 and 13 and 14 I think it's probably not something I'm comfortable talking about but uh, just put it out there that you know that's that's what's out in in the real world um, I, I just wanted to pretty much talk about um, the first time that he was caught or, or uh, I guess, um, arrested, which was back in, uh, I think it was about 2008. Um, he faced federal charges in Florida <clears throat> for operating a sex trafficking ring involving the underage girls. Um and then out of this, he reached a highly controversial um, plea uh, with the federal prosecutors. Um, he pleaded guilty. Um, and then part of his deal was he was allowed to have work release. And uh, I think he, he served just 13 months. Um, I'm not sure of the actual uh, length of the first... Um, charge where he was like how long it was but he only did 13 months and he was released from jail six to seven days a week 12 hours a day and he was released to his uh, office in this big work building um, had his own guards um, to protect him etc so it was just life as as normal for him pretty much basically just went back to jail um, to sleep um, I mean, if, if and, that... And even this is not clear. If he just came in uh, to the prison and signed and then went back home, it's oh, not clear really? if he really <laughs> went to prison overnight. Yeah. I, so he might have just stopped in, checked in, and then left again. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, straight off the bat, we've got, you know, somebody that's being... Um, charged with human sex trafficking i mean it doesn't get more much more vile than that um particularly involving minors and he only gets you know uh does 13 months in jail so already way back in 2008 we can see that he was obviously connected because you don't get that kind of privilege unless you are um, well connected within the system so right from the outset what was he hiding and who was he hiding it from um, yeah, new one. Did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, some, you know, some names uh, pop up in this, uh, which uh, through the whole Epstein story will come up and again. His attorney back then was Alan Dershowitz, who uh, said in an interview that he got the massage as well in the mansion of uh, Epstein, which is, it's not funny, but it's, uh, it's weird. And the uh, prosecutor back then was Alex Acosta. And Dershowitz and Acosta, they were both uh, Harvard alumni. Oh, really? And, yes. And, and they uh, did this sweetheart deal, which was originally like you go to prison for 18 months. But then, like Bevo said, 
after 13 months they said like okay now the press is not talking about it anymore there's no focus you can go and this for and this is uh, uh, this is proven uh, 30 uh, victims normally for something for a crime like this uh, you go decades in prison you yeah and you never come out again you know, Ralph, also speaking of <clears throat> the lawyer, uh, I can't remember his first name, but the Acosta lawyer, this was the first time that somebody said, hey, maybe there's more to this than we think. Because later on, Acosta was quoted as saying, I was told that Epstein was protected and to leave him alone. Yes. So that right away was saying, okay, protected by who? In, in 2019, uh, Alex Acosta said, actually, I received instructions from the higher-ups in Washington because Epstein belonged to intelligence. It was above my pay grade. <laughs> so now we know, okay, this is who is this guy protected by? Why is he getting such sweet deals like this? And we knew this way back then. So now we start seeing that word again that we run into a lot of times on this show the intelligence community and yet when i started digging around a little bit i realized i didn't think that this was u.s intelligence from the start so this gets a little bit heavier into robert maxwell so galen's father robert maxwell we'll start with him first he had he was a uh, young jewish person living in czechoslovakia and the war broke out and he was very dedicated to his heritage. And then they had fled from there when the war broke out with the Nazis. He, at uh, 16, I think, originally tried to join the French Foreign Legion. And they kicked him out based on the fact that they thought he was a spy. From there, he enlists again. I believe this time it was with the British forces at the time and he was still very young he was still underage but from that he started reaching out to intelligence communities in russia so there were ties tying him to kgb and then he had already had some background in 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 military in britain so then there started showing up ties to mi6 and for everybody who knows what this is, so MI6 is the agency that deals with stuff outside of Britain. They're the American CIA division. And so now he's getting intelligence ties, and we're starting to see little things pop up everywhere all the way back. From, I mean, we're going back as far as some of the documents go to guys like Meyer Lansky, and Meyer Lansky was a very you know popular mobster in America way back in the day, but again, he was also the Israeli intelligence end of things here in America. So we're seeing a connection there. So now we have Robert Maxwell, who again wasn't his original name, but we have ties with this guy with Russian, British, and Israeli intelligence before the guy even did anything in the US, before he even was known who, who he was here. <clears throat> Yes. Ralph, do you have any background on uh, the connections between those agencies in the early days on Maxwell? Yes, it's it's like you it's like you said that um, um, he he was I, I mean uh, um, 
probably or most likely was a triple agent for those uh, three uh, services you you mentioned. All um, three of them. Yes, it's it, like you said, MI6, KGB, and Mossad. As it looked like he worked for all. For all. There yes. was at one point where one of the MI6 uh, retired agents was telling a story about how when he was there, Robert Maxwell, we will learn that he actually went into publishing. But at one point in time, he went to MI6 and said, hey guys, check it out. Uh, I have connections to the KGB in their intelligence you know, area. I want you guys to fund me for a publishing newspaper or book, or it was maybe it was a book, like a uh, small series, books, and I want you guys to fund me for this, and I'll start writing this stuff, because he did write. And they looked at it and said, well, you know what, this is actually a good way to put out whatever propaganda we want, so if we bankroll this guy, then he's just going to start writing stuff that we want and making it look <clears throat> legitimate. And I can't remember exactly what his first publishing was, because I know he had a couple of different ones. Do you guys remember which uh, who he started out with? I don't actually um, remember who he started out with, but did, he owned a, a, a bunch of uh, newspapers, yeah? Um, yeah. He, he was very – he was almost like Murdoch to the point, you know, he owned all these rags. Um, one other thing that we should mention, because we can tie this back, to um, Epstein a little bit later, but he lost a crap load of money um, from pension funds that he was um, part of. And so there's a huge swathe of money that has gone missing and was never sort of worked out where it went. And he also had connections with <clears throat> and significant dealings with uh, the corrupt Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI, and that bank was um, found to be involved heavily in money laundering and financial fraud, and he borrowed money from those guys as well. So he, yeah. There, there we are again. Uh, what new one said, it's it's all, you call it bank, but in the end it's, it's intelligence. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've probably done more research on um, this particular topic than I have m many of the others that we've done because it's just so <clears throat> so many rabbit holes that you get led down. But it's it's pretty clear to me the common thread that most serious investigators have come to is that he um, was actually an intelligence community construct construct from another country, and so he's been created. Um, with the purpose of, you know, infiltrating our, our rich and powerful and politicians um, by the way of a pedophilic honeypot, if you like. And he was also um, put there to uh, infiltrate, you know, all of our top scientists um, to try and steal our cutting-edge uh, technology and military research. Um, obviously, if you can get hold of that kind of information and feed it back, um, to where whoever he is working for, that's a, a massive gain. So, mate, I, it, it's uh, I, and and everything that I've looked at it, it points to that he was definitely a construct. Um, there's a a guy called Eric <clears throat> Weinstein. I'm, most people may be familiar with him, but uh, if you're not, he's actually uh, been following this story since I believe 03, 04. He actually had a meeting. Um, 
uh, with him at, at his house in uh, New York. Um, and Eric Weinstein, he's a, uh, an American hedge fund director. Uh, well, he was, uh, and he was a director of the Teal Capital from, I think, 2013 to 2022, and he's got a PhD in mathematical physics um, from Harvard, so he's no slouch. He knows what he's talking about. He's a very intelligent man. And when he was questioning uh, questioning, uh, questioning him, he got the feeling that he wasn't actually a hedge fund manager because he didn't talk the talk. So and that was way back in 03 and 04, and it was uh, Eric Weinstein's opinion right from that point back in 03 and 04 that he was a construct, um, but not a very good one. So, uh, you know, with that sort of um, belief going around, it was no surprise that he suicided himself, I guess, in the end, because you can't let that kind of stuff get out into, into the real world. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point, Bevel. We can talk about some of the connections that might be. I agree with you that it definitely looks like he was a construct. At Robert Maxwell's funeral, well, we can back up. First of all, his death was suspicious because he went out on his boat. He asked most of the crew not to be there. And the crew that was there said he was very out of character that, at that particular time because. He was a very hardworking guy. He was like one of those obsessive workaholics. And they said this was the first time that he got on the boat and didn't have all of his work with him, wasn't making a million phone calls, didn't wasn't checking emails, didn't have everybody on the, the crew with him, didn't have any business associates. And now they were, you know, they the claim was that he was taking a leak off the side of the boat, had a heart attack, fell into the water, and just died that way. Now, not everybody believes that that was the full story, but one of the things that came out of that that to me was really interesting was his funeral was unusual for somebody who was supposed to be a publisher. It, he's buried, one, in the Mount of, I believe it's called the Mount of Olives, and that particular burial ground in Israel is a place where a lot of the intelligence community gets buried if they're service to the state. And at his funeral, there was six different members, high-ranking members of the intelligence community, because they have more than uh, just Mossad, but we believe he was working through that one. And also, the prime minister, who I can't remember his name now, was quoted saying something along the lines of, Robert Maxwell has done more for Israel than can be told. So you have all these guys attending his funeral. It looks like an intelligence you know, community funeral. He's buried in that spot. And then you have the Prime Minister come out and say that, but yet it really doesn't look like he worked for any type of business in Israel. So it doesn't look like you know he did any good business dealings. I mean, his business dealings were not failures. They looked like scams. So what exactly was this guy talking about? And that's when it starts pointing towards Israeli intelligence. Yeah, and, and we have to add that uh, Robert Maxwell was... Uh member of the global economy uh, economic panel which was uh, which is now the world economic uh, uh, forum or something how it's called klaus schwab and all this he so i didn't know that actually so he worked for what was originally the the group of the world economic forum i yes. didn't know that it, okay. it was a panel like henry kissinger was there and uh, some um, minister from Netherlands, Hans van der Berg, and, and 
it, it was uh, uh, the, the they laid the foundation for what we uh, now know as this World Economic Forum. Okay, okay. There was one other piece of information that I ran into about Robert w Maxwell that was just an obscure piece, but it kind of also brings into the topic at hand is that at one time, Maxwell owned a travel company and it was a private exclusive kind of travel agency, had a lot of famous people going with it. But the person who was like the VIP host at the time, the guy who was running that was Jimmy Seville. And oh. for the listeners who don't know who that is, Jimmy Seville was a well-known pedophile. He was the guy who had the title of the worst possible you know, pedophile in the world before the Epstein incidents. So this guy, they had been gone. They went back quite a quite a ways. I think this was back into the 1950s or something like that. But this guy was working already with Robert Maxwell. So we have Robert Maxwell tied to intelligence. Jimmy Seville, if anybody looks him up, you'll see that there was a lot of controversy surrounding this guy because he had a ton of connections with very high-ranking members of royal families all over the place. So now here we go again with this same kind of story. So then Seville passes away and he kind of gets steps out of the spotlight for a little while. And then it looks like the intelligence community was saying, well, we're running this pedophile ring. We need somebody to step in place. And we started having early connections with Robert Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein a long time ago. And Bebo, you had brought up that that Maxwell had stolen a ton of money for, at a couple of different times by making bad investments. So he was pulling money out of different companies that he was running and basically stealing it <clears throat> and said that <clears throat> he it, it never resurfaced. Nobody's really sure where it is. But now here we come with Jeffrey Epstein. So we'll do a little bit of like early stuff on Epstein and then show what might have happened to that money. So Epstein starts out a uh, kid in Brooklyn starts going up, you know, to through school. He was highly intelligent. He actually finished high school two years early and he went into mathematics and physics and he taught at a university for a little while. Now, his behavior there already was starting to show. They said he was very um, uh, not aggressive, but he made the, the female students uncomfortable because of the amount of time he would spend with them. So then from there, Ralph, can you give me some of the timeline for Epstein going into like Bear Stearns and stuff like that? Yeah, I can do this. Uh, he was born uh, 53 and uh, in, in the summer of 74, like you said, uh, he left uh, New York University, uh, but he never graduated. But he became a mathematics teacher at the Dalton School and some students said that uh, he, he was known for an ECA. So if you're a good-looking female student, it was not a problem for, for you to get good uh, results in, in his classes. And um, when all this that he was, uh, uh, that he did not graduate, uh, uh, graduate when all this came up, he had to leave, of course, uh, the school, and this was the time when he came to uh, Bear Stearns. Um, this was 
I I think it was late uh, 70s, maybe very early 80s, uh, around this time. And uh, there he uh, directly uh, made his way up to Alan Greenberg, which was the, the CEO back then, and um, became something of like the right hand of Alan Greenberg. How he managed this in such a quick time without any knowledge about finance and trading, this is a secret till, till today. Yeah, and I, that was important too. He was like, he was a junior partner or something like that at the age of 25. And <clears throat> he talked about when he first got there and he goes, there's no training program at Bear Stearns. When you walk in, they're high up enough on the finance ladder that they expect you to already know what the hell you're doing. So if you get a job, you, they sit you down at a desk and say, all right, start producing or we're going to throw you out. So this was 78. So uh, yeah, by his 25th uh, birthday, uh, he became a limited partner. Which is this is crazy? Like uh, unreal. Yeah, he has no no experience, nothing. But uh, we're gonna make him uh, uh, a partner. And even in interviews, like you said, he said like I did not know anything about uh, stocks or bonds or whatever. Uh, But it was obviously not necessary. Yeah, and I you know I bring back yeah I I bring back um, Eric. Weinstein, who I actually looked and read a lot of his stuff, um, who actually was a hedge fund director, as I already previously mentioned, uh, for the Teal Capital Group. Um, he he was saying that there's there's no questions about Epstein's wealth, where it's come from. He said in, in the uh, hedge fund world, there's a form that they have to um, fill out, which is 13F. Um, no one's ever... Uh, asked to see that or it hasn't ever surfaced no one ever questioned who his prime broker was and if he was this billionaire fx trader then he would have the ability to move markets which he never did um so right from back in the 70s and 80s when he had these financial postings if you like right up till um, the early 2000s when he's having interviews with other uh, hedge fund managers nothing's adding up so we've got um, Maxwell's uh, disappearance of all that money, and then you have um, Gillian getting in and getting involved with um, Epstein, and then all of a sudden he's got all this money from allegedly being uh, this guru FX currency trader. So there's a clear path of uh, the wealth transferring from one to another, and obviously, if you're going to have a construct. Um, he needs to be well funded, and this was the way that they funded him. That's that's my belief. One of the things that was speculative, but there were a good amount of people that said it when they were working with Epstein. <clears throat> the the other guys on the floor, these guys who are traders like this, they're they're pretty uh, competitive, and they were looking at him, and he was making some big bold moves real fast. He was real young, and he was getting a lot of the limelight. But what they were thinking was happening was, remember, his whole, he was very smart and his uh, area of expertise expertise was mathematics. But 
what it looked like was happening was he wasn't actually making trades, but he was able to look at that system and pull the problems out of it and say, hey, this is a good way where we can hide this money. So he started taking on, while he was there, some pretty damn big clients with loads and loads of cash, but it doesn't look like he was trading for them or being a broker. It looked like what he was doing was showing them how to hide it so that they didn't, that nobody knew that they had it. And at this point was in the early 80s was when he first came into contact with Robert Maxwell. So that was, that was their relationship started way before his and Ghislaine's uh, relationship had started. But unfortunately for him, he couldn't, you know, keep it to himself. So he was, they brought it up in uh, the HR. They called him down to HR at Bear Stearns and said, hey, man, uh, you know, this guy's got some problems in his, in his resume. He's full of it. But he was already dating the guy, the CEO's secretary at the time. So <laughs> he was, again, working himself into a situation that he knew that they couldn't come down on him and really hurt him that much because if they did he had dirt on him so it looked like like you said an intelligence construct one of the things that they do with people that they look for and help them with is people skills they teach them more than ever to how to identify and manipulate other people around you and then we can move from there right into some of his next dealings with Les Wexner Bebo, did you get some good information on that? Because that one was a whole can of worms. I, I want to add something to it. Uh, uh, I cannot prove it, but why they probably picked Epstein is because they knew that he liked young girls and they had the leverage against him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's it's perfect to, to blackmail him into, into things because um, what's at stake for him if he get caught it, this is like a prison forever. So such a uh, such a person is easy to control. Yes, I mean yes. <clears throat> in my belief, you know, this construct was a, a multi-faceted um, attack, and it wasn't just about young girls. As I said, there was the scientific community, um, politicians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, <clears throat> if we look at some of the people. Um, that he was involved with and got in the shit basically along the way you know you had uh, prince andrew um the duke of york i mean that was a shit show um yeah Ghislaine maxwell we talked about her a bit um alan uh, dersovitz which was the lawyer from um harvard which we touched on um you just touched on uh, les wexner um he was the founder of l brands they own victoria's secret funny that um, that he was involved in that lot, yeah. Uh, Bill Clinton. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. And, and Bill Clinton, I mean, you know, uh, what's that on your dress? Uh, and then you've got Donald Trump. Um, God, he's had a um, always been in the in the news for, you know, being inappropriate. Um, I mean, Alan Greenspan, for God's sake, how the hell does that bloke get caught up in it all? Um, mm. And you've got Larry Summers, the former US Treasury Secretary. Um, and then you've got a few... And and then you've got a few uh, actors like Kevin Spacey. Well, we all know what happened with Kevin. Uh, then you've got uh, George Mitchell, uh, former U.S. senator. Um, it, the list goes on, mate. Um, the, the list is like uh, 92 pages. Yeah. You know, actually, Bevo, I want to jump in on that list because there is one group of people that I don't want to get uh, looked over. 
he was well connected in the scientific community also he knew a lot of the top minds in academics science physics all different kinds of stuff and that's going to come in later on that's going to be important so it wasn't just politicians and you know powerful business brokers that were involved there were some guys in that wouldn't seem like you would connect these guys to you know was on his pedo island yes yeah, I've got yeah. I've got a short list here for you, buddy. I mean, um, we just mentioned uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, theoretical physicist. Um, you had Lawrence Krauss. He was a theoretical physicist as well and a cos- uh, cosmo- I can't even say the word, cosmologist. Um, you got Marvin Minsky, uh, who's since passed, and he was the artificial intelligence pioneer. You've got Steven Pinker. He was a, a cognitive um, psychologist and linguist. Um, Martin Nowak. He was mathematical and biology professor. Um, Seth Lloyd, quantum physicist and mechanical engineer, and all these guys were like at Harvard. They're top of the top of the uh, top of the heap. And so this was my point going back before. It just wasn't wasn't about uh, pedophilic blackmail. It's also about gathering as much information as you can um, to feed back to whichever country it was. So you know, bear in mind if you. Um, can get on side with these people um, you have the ability to fleece information and one one thing that's really interesting uh, how he did that is the u.s federal government had this uh, endless frontier compact they called it uh, which was between the fed federal government and the universities and it was all about funding i don't actually think it made through the bill but basically our guys needed money uh, our scientists, etc., need money to do their research to, you know, um, just keep going forward. Mm. Well, the government's not coming to the party like they promised. So up steps Eric with his bucket of money, which we know wasn't actually his. Mm. It's come from whichever country. I'm not going to name the country. I don't want to go down that path. But uh, it comes from the country. And then he starts dishing out money to, to all these top guys at, at Harvard. He's got an in. Um, yeah, it, it's just so deep, it's not funny. You know, I wanted to say also, when you're talking about the scientific community needing funds to carry on projects, there are a lot of times that we'll hear about this, and just so our listeners understand how this works, that when you hear of very rich and powerful people donating tons of money to some kind of research, chances are that it's not as nice of a move as you think it is it's not like the good samaritan kind of move what they're doing one is they're going for a tax write-off and the other thing is a lot of times they're funding something that actually they personally want done so they're not funding you know okay i just feel like going for you know the cure for cancer so i'm going to fund a bunch of this so we can cure everybody of cancer What's happening is they're funding research projects that's going to benefit them directly in some way. So Epstein did something very similar to this. And as you brought up Harvard, he was funding a ton of research into what they were calling transhumanism. That is actually a fancy word for eugenics. And what they were doing with that was he wanted his DNA to be used to find... 20 of these, like, what would be 
what they consider better genetic human beings and impregnate 20 different women at one of his mansions. They even built a, a maternity ward and a delivery room inside the place because he didn't have any children and he felt that he could have 20 of his own offspring and they would just be the best people in the world. So that was one of the reasons that he was funding so much of this scientific research. And if you look, as soon as they figured out that, you know, okay, all this funding is coming from Jeffrey Epstein, the guy who's running the place is tied to him, has, has also been on his flight logs and to his island and the whole bit. And then they said, holy crap, this is a eugenics project. Harvard shut the program down. So yeah, after, after it got public. But uh, yeah. it's, I guess it's not a coincidence that always it leads back to Harvard. If it comes to science, if it comes to law, it always goes back to Harvard. And this whole uh, program, uh, it was called the Harvard Program for Evolutionary Dynamics. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, yes. sounds sounds great. But now we're talking about trying to make twenty more Jeffrey Epstein's. You know, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's very Hitlerian. The, the project with 6.5 million dollars uh, and the goal was to extract the best genes for gene pool research. In the end it was uh, Epstein uh, wanted to have a kid and uh, he would uh, he wanted to have the kid with this uh, Virginia uh, Jaffrey, uh, this famous now famous uh, victim of him uh, but she rejected. And then he started this program uh, on his farm in New Mexico or on his ranch in New Mexico, which he called his baby farm. It, it, this is all, it, it sounds nearly like from a Bond movie, but it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> it's it's it, crazy, there, right? You, you, can, you can Google their, their uh, um, uh, articles, even from New York Times and so on, uh, they write about this. This is all sick. Did, at this you point, know, I want At this point, you one is it okay to say that he was a delusional motherfucker, twisted fuck? I mean, you know what? I mean, Actually, Bubba, we're going to get into something a little darker, and this is one of the things that's going to be a, a very big controversial point of this discussion because I want to dive into just for a minute how this kind of shit happens. So. What happens with this, when you take the average person, right, one of the things that you can see that's pretty normal in people across the world is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And what that is, is the needs that people need in, in an order that they need them to become the, um, I, I would guess, the best human being that they could. And what it is, it starts off with like food and water, and then by the time it gets to the top, it's actually... What is this person doing to give back to the community? Now, here's the part that gets dark. When there was a very long time where I was working in the service industry and I had a lot of clientele and it was my job to, uh, you know, bartending as to entertain these people. And one of the questions that I used to use when the conversation went slack was, hey, let me ask you a question. If you woke up tomorrow and you had, had won the lottery and all the money was in your account, what would you do? The problem with that was it was supposed to be, and I the, the reason I was asking the question was to try to find out what this person was passionate about and what they would become as a person. 
who they would become if they if they had reached that top level. The issue was was that everybody got to they gave the same answers over and over. And it was, I'd pay my bills, I'd buy everyone I know a house and a car and get an education for my kids and get out of debt, and then I would just travel. And the problem was, was that they hit at a level of, I just would entertain myself over and over. But they never had the mentality, because they had been at the bottom end of that so long, to be able to aspire to think of what would I do with my daily day? So I actually had to rephrase the question and say, okay, you paid everything off, you have all the money you want, everybody you know is comfortable, and you've spent the last five years traveling the world and you've seen everything. Now what do you do? Because I had to try to push them past that mentality barrier that we had. Now the people that we're talking about have gone above that. If you think of the answers of what would you do, a lot of their actions aren't dissimilar to what someone like us would say. Yeah, we can call them crazy. And I'm not saying he wasn't. But what I'm saying is, if a lot of people would say, hey, if I won that much money, I'd buy a piece of property all the way out in the middle of nowhere with no neighbors, and it would be beautiful, and it would be this big giant mansion, and all my friends would come to it, and I'd have my own airplane, and we would literally do, like, logistically, the exact same fucking thing that this guy was doing, and most of these guys do. The thing is, they're also thinking beyond that. And one of the issues that they have a lot of, we've talked about this, is they believe the, over, the overpopulation narrative. So <clears throat> they think the world would be a better place, just like you know the Nazis did with the eugenics program. And eugenics actually started in the U.S. I'm not saying anything about the Germans. But that started the, the, the same the way. Nazi, the Nazi program, you know, who founded, uh, uh, who, who was one of the, the uh, money givers, the, the, it was uh, Rothschild. Who was that? Rothschild, the family. They uh, gave money to the oh, Nazis. Really? For, <laughs> yes. And they later supported the same program in the U.S. I think Barry Singer or something. I have to Google it. Just continue. I will. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at how are these people taking, doing these just drastic, drastic things? The other thing that this steps into that's going to be another harder part of this conversation is let's go back to the human trafficking and the pedophilia. So this is, you're trying to, if you are an intelligence construct and you are going after some of these high end people, the question becomes, what do you get someone who has everything? Now, if you look at the people he's going after, these people don't want for very much. They have everything they need. Yet, the sexual aspect of it is a very easy one to go after and to trick somebody into. Because uh, just in, even in physio just for physiology purposes, boys hit their puberty and their sexual peak very young but chances are they're not very experimental in in sex and they're not actually getting laid enough so that part of their life that most important thing to them at that time goes un, un untouched but it never really leaves them so they they carry that with them in their lives it feels like a part of their life that they didn't complete so that happens with a lot of different men when that happens, now you're telling these guys, hey, check it out. 
if you want to have sex with a young pretty girl and fulfill that part of your life that you missed i have a private highland where we can go and i'm not going to charge you anything but we can have fun i like to go down there and party and that was and that's one way that would seem like a very easy way to get somebody to fall for something like that because if you look I'm willing to bet, you know, Epstein was a decent looking guy, so he probably didn't have much problem getting women to find him attractive and, to, you know, to be able to hang out with him. But if you look at some of these scientists and like, you know, you have people on the island like Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking, I'm not, you know, going after these guys or anything, but they're not the most attractive people. And a lot of the academics, these guys are kind of nerdy, so they don't have a hell of a lot of social skills. So they probably missed that part of their life. Yet that's something that runs in, uh, you know, uh, your average male. His whole life is that kind of sexual encounter with women. So now you have someone who can provide it. It very easily. You don't have to look for it, and you don't have to worry about it. It's a real simple trap to set for the intelligence community. And I think we're seeing that a lot of guys, you know, have fallen for this by Epstein just getting them to think with their dicks, and it's not a hard thing to do. So I think that's where that came from. Yeah, that's interesting. New one. I mean, <clears throat> the the top of the list for me um, is probably Prince Andrew. Um, I'd like it to be Bill Gates. Um, he's been out there, and I, I, just something doesn't sit well me with with me with that guy. But he's got enough money to cover his ass, I think. But j- just look at Prince Andrew, mate. I mean. He, he, from the outset, denied, denied, denied the photo. He denied, denied. And in the end, he admitted it all. The, the whole thing that, you know, the world was looking on that was happening on that island was just being denied, denied, denied. But due to the internet and whatever we have today, all this information, you know, has come to light. And he had no choice but to, to uh, you know, come clean. And what happened to Prince Andrew? Nothing. Not a thing. Not Not a a damn thing. You know, I want to go into something uh, also with this particular story. So now you have, oh, there was one more piece of uh, evidence that um, Epstein had, like, um, intelligence ties. Ralph, I can't remember the exact one on this, but didn't he have, like, an Austrian passport where his home address was, like, the crown prince of something or something? Something I, like that. I did not. I did not read this. Yeah, when they raided his house, they found a passport that was from another country with his picture, but the the home address was actually like the royal palace of some uh, other country that nobody even knew he was. Th- he had gone there, and also he had ties to one particular person. I can't remember his name, but he was the m- most notable gun runner, illegal gun runner. In the Middle East, he was probably the biggest name in the world, and the guy was worth like billions of dollars from gun running, and yet Jeffrey knew him, and he was on the list also. So you started to see that, you know, there's a little more intelligence tied in with this. But, yeah, when we start going into, you know, who he knew, he knew, I mean, just everybody, and then... We had something, and uh, Ralph, I'm going to need the details on this, but this is getting into the Maxwell family again. So now the Maxwells seem to have heavy, heavy ties with Israeli intelligence, 
Robert Maxwell has ties to all different kinds of intelligence communities. Now they, you know, kind of meet up together with Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein is excellent at manipulating people and getting blackmail dirt on them. So the Maxwell family, it wasn't just Robert that was working with these people. There was also a big thing where they worked in technology, especially in the early days when the Internet came out. And they were working on a particular uh, computer program that was called Promise, I think. And Robert Maxwell figured out a way to take this program and build a back door into it so it could read what people were using it on in their country. And he started selling it to other countries. The thing is, all the information that this, this backdoor program was pulling was getting fed to the intelligence community. And it really got big because I think, and you have to check me on this one, uh, Ralph, but I believe it was used and they started backdoor looking at some of the sensitive nuclear weapon material for the U.S. I'm so, checking, yeah. Yeah, the, the program's name was Promise, and I think that's what really got it, because there's a couple of things in the U.S. that were, were unusual. So Israel is an ally of the U.S. The thing is, we absolutely go nuts for this nation. I mean, we bend over backwards for these guys, and a lot of people in America look at that and go, why are we so just devoted to these guys? I mean, like most of our other allied countries, our friendly countries, we don't do half as much for these people. It looked like at one time Israeli intelligence got enough dirt on all of the top people in this country. And this is speculative, but if you're able to start getting software into other countries that are nuclear capable countries and they're, they've weaponized it, not just for energy use, but if you can do that, what you can do is you use that as leverage against that country you don't even have to have like what they would consider like a launch code let's go with like the movie style where yeah we can launch someone else's nuclear missiles and make it look like they did it and start a war between these two countries you don't have to do that you can literally set them off where they are and get a zero response time for for anybody trying to you know stop it from happening and you get a massive yield and you've just destroyed a part of that person's country with their own technology so basically in a country like america what we've done is we've built a thousand nuclear bombs in our own backyard and if someone was able to access that all they would have to do is use that as a threat to say hey guess what guys if you don't do what we want we're just going to set one of these things off and we'll continue to do it until you start working for us. Yeah, that promise, um, that was called Prosecutor's Management Information System. I did go down a little bit of a rabbit hole on that. And it was actually uh, founded by a, a bloke called Bill Hamilton. And funnily enough, he was uh, a national security agency official. And it was originally designed to be used by prosecutors to manage legal cases. And so it sort of proliferated throughout the world, um, getting into government systems under that. But then um, as time went on, <clears throat> uh, the intelligence agencies put a back door um, into this um, software. And then so once they had the back door, they had an in into the government <clears throat> um, computer systems basically and they could collect data from um, 
any sort of database where the promise was installed. Um, so right. therefore, therefore, you're giving all the intelligence agencies um, around the world to surveil and track, you know, basically what a, whatever they wanted, you know, thing, and including financial transactions and criminal activities and, as you were talking about, you know, military-type um, secrets. So it... it uh, and Israel got hold of it, I think it was in the 1980s. So, yeah, that's a nasty piece of gear that's um, out there, developed by the NSA, basically, and it's probably slipped out uh of where it was supposed to be and other people have gotten hold of it and it, it was you know out there being peddled and these guys were making money out of it uh big time and uh maxwell was involved in that as well i believe he was one of the peddlers of the software made um hundreds of millions of dollars yeah yeah the, the the project was uh codenamed petri and oh it actually had an operation name to it yes from the nsa this is completely right. What what uh, Bevo said, it uh, it was used uh, to download and uh, download data and transmit data from the computers uh, uh, which used the software to whatever intelligence service needed data from wherever. Gotcha. Basically. You know, it, it it was an early prism if you want it this way, this surveillance program. Yeah, yeah, it was like one of the original styles of that. Yes. But, you know, there was another thing that came up in the Maxwell and Epstein court cases that was interesting that I wanted to touch on just for a second because there are plenty of times that we've heard here in the U.S. that our government has gone into another country and done some manipulation to try to put a leader in office that was more favorable to the people that were in office in our country. We know America has done this quite a bit. We had a company go under called Cambridge Analytica because they were caught doing it. And so it stands to reason that we're not the only country that would want to do this. So if you look now we're, we're talking about okay so we have the intelligence community we're pretty sure it stems from the israeli intelligence but kgb mi6 and uh other intelligence agencies might be involved they have all this dirt on a lot of people in the u.s and now they have this computer software that's leaking sensitive information so they have they're very good at the uh you know stuff that they that they're collecting data on. And then from that, we see that when Ghislaine and Epstein were arrested, both of them were arrested by a particular task force of the FBI that doesn't actually deal with human trafficking. So we have different task force in the FBI, and one of them is specific for human trafficking, and they absolutely are the ones that go for anything that would be considered pedophilia or some type of prostitution ring or something along those lines. But the, the task force that went after both of them and arrested both of them was actually a public corruption task force, and their main focus is election fraud or trying to manipulate a U.S. election. So I started looking into that a little bit, and I realized there were plenty of times where Epstein and other people were heavily backing a particular candidate for the U.S. presidency, and it turns out these people are all on his flight logs and close to him, 
And it looks like the intelligence community, again, was trying to manipulate our political system to put people in place that were more favorable. There was a uh, joke that came out a while ago that said, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell was the only person in U.S. history that was charged and convicted of child trafficking to nobody. Because the names never got released. There was something that happened on her court, on her court, like the original, when they first go in and they start talking about what the case is going to be about. There's, in that courtroom, there's about 20 electronic feeds that go out of the courtroom. So if it's an open court case and you don't have somebody that you want to send down there, let's say you're a major newspaper, if you don't want to have somebody that you send down to the courtroom and have them sit there and record everything, there are electronic feeds that go out of the courtroom, but they're, they're limited. There's only a few of them. We had one guy who sat up all night because he realized how important this case was going to be. And he just sat there clicking refresh over and over and over again. Now, those 20 lines that go out of the room usually get picked up by mainstream media. And mainstream doesn't have a problem with getting them because they're going to report whatever the hell the intelligence community tells them to report. And they know not to give out sensitive information that's going to cause a national security issue. Yet this one guy actually got a line. And he started live streaming it on YouTube so that the entire world could see exactly word for word what was going on in her first day at court. It was about five minutes into it and somebody ran into the courtroom, ran up to the judge, whispered in her ear. She stopped the proceedings. They cut all the electronic feeds going out of the courtroom and turned it into a closed case. So it doesn't only look like this is, you know pedophilia and and human trafficking this looks like it had such deep connections with nsa with like national security that this could have completely ruined any uh faith we had in our established government in the u.s if the word if the truth got out about what the hell was going on in that courtroom so you want yeah. uh, uh, does this mean that the death of epstein uh was a an elaborate plan uh right from the start so you know eight you know he gets arrested down in florida and does a plea deal does his 13 months you know which was a joke and so usually when you get arrested and and um sentenced to a crime etc that's usually the end of it but in 2019 he's arrested um out of new york this time so i'm not familiar with how the law lets him do that but um basically what what you were saying the fbi and whatever and then they arrested him in 2019 and ultimately gets um uh he gets indicted and then ultimately gets you know chucked in in jail so was it just getting down too far down a slippery slope like epstein was out of control there was too much too many loose ends so that's like right we've got to get this guy arrested him arrested get him in jail and uh have him commit suicide is that is that possibly where we're heading here it's very possible i looked at the same thing with robert maxwell i i came up with a couple of ideas and i said you know i wonder if one what if both of these guys' deaths were faked and they're actually still out there, but they just needed these guys to get off the you know radar for a little while? They wanted things to cool down and they wanted to put an end to this so people didn't think it was still happening. Or I, a lot of people would say, okay, look, if he was actually, if both of these guys were actually suicided, who had the most to lose? Yeah, we had a lot of you know dirty politicians that would love to see this guy dead. 
but they might not actually do it because they don't know if this guy has an intelligence connection with a dead man switch that's going to turn them over. But you know who would know that? The intelligence community. If he's working for Mossad and Mossad says, you know what, if this prick goes to court and opens his mouth about us, we are in deep shit. I think the people with the most uh, motive to be able to kill both of those guys would have been the intelligence community, not the people that we saw on his list. The I, other, the the, other the alternative is that... For, for those guys where, um, with Robert Maxwell, it was easy. You could go to him and say, like, uh, either you commit suicide or we're going to ruin your whole family. Yeah. And, and he has a lot to lose, so he commits suicide. Epstein had nothing to lose. There was no kids or something. There was right. no uh, next generation. So he was, from one moment on, I think he was a big threat because he, he went completely out of control. Yeah. Yeah, he went off the reservation, and now he could, you know, if he's that deeply involved, he could turn around and start pointing in fingers at Mossad and saying, hey, man, I was just doing what I was told. It was these guys. That would cause international incidents that would just set the world on fire. I mean, that would be a mess. The other thing, and I looked at this one, too. Apparently, Ghislaine in prison, they put her in a really terrible uh, cell that she was in in a holding cell. It was like a, a real shit, like, isolation cell. They put her in the worst cell that they could think. They wanted her to crack, and the feds kept questioning her about stuff, and it came out that she actually didn't say anything. And I said, you know, there's the possibility. This is a woman who has lived a high life her whole life. She's not very good at being poor. She's used to the best. Now she's sitting in a rat-infested prison cell with nothing but a sewer to take a piss in, and she's eating, like, rotten maggoty food. But yet she didn't, it, it, they say, she didn't crack. She didn't tell anything about anybody she knew she didn't want to give up any information and i'm thinking yeah because she probably is thinking okay anybody who could have protected me her father and epstein are both gone she knows that there is no one standing between her and mossad at this point and if she does talk there is nothing the u.s government is going to be able to do to protect this woman mossad would have her killed as fast as they fucking could to make sure that that didn't happen. So the only reason she would endure what she's enduring right now is because she knows the alternative of, you know, turning around and giving up evidence on those guys is going to get her killed instantly. It just happened to two, two of the closest people she's ever known. Yeah, I don't think it matters that she's kept her mouth shut, mate. There's there's too many loose ends. I think poor old uh, Killane's going to get her come tuppence, mate, and she's going to end up... Um, suicided as well i think that's a given um given, yeah. given what's at stake i mean i did mention earlier you know you've got prince andrew you know he's the second son of queen elizabeth um probably the most famous royal family in the western you know in the western world you know you've got people and incidences like that all the way down the list you know bill clinton you know ex uh u.s president i mean the, the information and the dirt comes as high as it gets so there's a lot to lose and i don't think they're gonna let all that rest on you know the shoulders of gillian particularly when there's no one else left around her eh? i think she's a, a yeah. walking a walking yeah. dead woman 
Yeah, she's uh, she's the uh, after her it's over. She's the last one, and uh, we don't know how much she really knew. Yeah, true. And so you know, Bebo, I think with this whole thing, I think what we're finding was, yeah, this entire uh, human trafficking pedophilia, you know, from the outside, it looked strange, like all of a sudden, every single person who makes it big in the world suddenly turns into a pedophile. It's starting to look more like these guys were set up and blackmailed to some degree. And when you said a few episodes ago, you know, what is the source of all this stuff? I think we keep coming back to different intelligence agencies. And I think the guys behind the curtain pulling the strings, are, or we're going to keep finding out that it's usually intelligence I don't think it's uh, politicians that we're going to find or anything like that. I think it's going to be the intelligence communities. Yes, to, uh, call it whatever you want, like deep state or whatever. But it makes sense if you look the connections from Epstein. It's not only Gates. It's other uh, high-ranked members in Microsoft. It's Zuckerberg. It's Bezos. It's uh, one of the Google guys. There are pictures with them and, and Epstein at parties, and and not like this Elon Musk picture where he stands in the back or, or Chislaine stands in the in the background. No, they were at one table. They were talking, and it makes sense because. Uh, look what Snowden came uh, up with uh, uh, NS, uh, the NSA scandal. Like, uh, where do I uh, uh, get uh, data from? From the source, if if I yeah. can uh, attach to to Facebook or uh, to to uh, Google search engine, that's perfect. Yeah, and you know there was something I'll, I'll tell you it. You know, if the general public found out that it was the intelligence communities, you know, that were running things, you got to remember that these guys, their whole job is to do the most terrible stuff that a human being could think of. I ran into an ex-CIA member that was doing a Q&A or an AMA, uh, Ask Me Anything, uh, post, and people were putting questions to him. And still within the realm of reason, he wasn't allowed to say everything, but there were some good questions posed to him. And one of them, his, one of his answers was, was unique from what I thought was, they said, have you ever gone out and gotten somebody, an underage prostitute, to blackmail them after they were with that prostitute? And he says, yes, that was common practice. However that's not the worst thing we did and i'm like holy shit i'm like so th this whole pedophilia thing is just part of all of the worst things that this community does to constantly get one up on each other it's almost like the intelligence instead of the arms race to, to who has the bigger and better weapons this is the intelligence race to see who has more dirt on someone else's country and it is constantly coming back to these guys, and it is absolutely horrific, man. And this, this Epstein uh, subject is, is great to explain that there's no left or right. Nope. Uh, uh, it, it's Clinton, it's Trump, and it's all the people in between. Um, and and the, 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 this, this political show, Republicans, Democrats, it's just a show to, to yep. numb the, the people down 
but in uh, the, the, the real world behind all this it's it's one uh, uh, it's it's a couple of people who pull the strings like you said and it is you, and it I really is and, and you know you what ralph i really liked your connection from intelligence of uh robert maxwell to the world economic forum because now that gives us a bridge to see a little bit more of how this works that's funny you and i was just going to say that you know this is our 18th show and nearly every show um there's a, a tie back to the cia or the <laughs> fbi <Fucking> or, a, right <laughs> and and just of late the the deeper the research goes and the deeper oh. in the hole the weft still keeps coming up so back to the point yeah. that ralph just made you know it's not clinton it's not you know trump it, it, it's not biden it's the big power at the top the which is the money and yeah. these guys are all in the weft man they're pulling the strings and you know they've got the fbi and the cia doing their dirty work and it's it's all they're all constructs and they're all they're all in it to um to drive a narrative to keep us where we need to be so that they can keep gaining yeah. their power and wealth. I mean, I, th I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Hey, you know, Ralph, uh, in America, there's a joke among some people where uh, the way you were saying there is no left or right. There was a while ago, it started with one of the elections and they said, if your vote mattered for the presidential election, it said, if your vote mattered, it would be illegal. Because yes, we wouldn't uh, be allowed uh, to fucking I, do it. Yeah. I read a quote about Hitler. Uh, if uh, elections would uh, really influence something, I would uh, uh, cancel them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> same thing here. So what? You're so saying yeah, is Bebo, I think that's where we're going with this one. I think it's back to the same groups and the same intelligence community in one of the most horrible episodes that we've seen in the last couple of decades. Yeah, well, listen, guys, we've been going for nearly 70 minutes now. I mean, we could talk for hours on this and, and go down many, many rabbit holes, but I think we've given a fairly reasonable overview and we, and we didn't touch on much of the mainstream narratives, you know, like the, the court cases with the, the girls that came forward and all that type of stuff. We went a little bit deeper and we brought to, to the... Um, surface some of the deeper connections and how it might be all intertwined so i think it was a really good show and it gives yeah. us a lot to go forward with and i hope it gave the audience um some information they weren't quite sure of and and they got they got something out of it so yeah i guess i'd like to thank all the audience that that's down there um for coming in and and uh putting up with our antics and uh, ralph i know it's probably past 4 a.m. in the morning in, in Riga. So <laughs> thanks for staying up and, and staying sober. That was an awesome job in itself. And you want to know you're on holidays. So, again, thanks for for donating your time to the cause. Um, so I guess we should we, – we, if there's nothing else from you two guys, I think we should give it a wrap-up. Um, I'm guys, good. Great show. All right. Then I'll uh, close off the recording, and uh, we'll see all you guys next week. We'll hang around and um, – uh, 